Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast. I am Chris Landry. Looking forward to talking about the great game of football today. We've got a lot on tap. We're gonna what are we gonna try to get through today? Well, first of all, want to thank you for joining us. Want to uh, always encourage folks to check us out. And uh, certainly you can participate in this show by sending a question. We've got a couple of those we're going to get to. You can also send questions during the show live so that we can address it live for you um, as well. want to always uh, thank the great folks at Radio Influence for bringing you this podcast, the great um, range of podcasts they have as part of the Radio Influence family. Um is astounding. They do a tremendous job. We're just happy to be a very, very small part of it. And uh, we're grateful that you are joining us um, here. We So a couple of things that I've got down that I'd like to talk with. And again, we'll integrate your thoughts and your, your questions into this. But we're going to talk a little bit about the national champion. Well, we're going to talk quite a bit about the national championship game uh, as we will crown a national champion in college football. Um, on Monday, and uh, this is the last time we shall visit on this show uh, regarding it. Uh, We're going to get into the NFL playoff matchups. We're going to talk a little bit about each of the six games. Going to touch on a few coaching search issues. Going to integrate some questions regarding that as well. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit. I, I talk a lot about coaching search process, but I want to talk about one aspect of things and little rather than making it long and just cumbersome, talk about one specific, um, a couple of specific things regarding questions I usually ask in interviews um, that I think are are really important to understand and know so that you, um, you can really is as coaches are very well prepared today to deal with interviews, there are ways to kind of make sure um, that they are sincere in some of the things that they say and are willing to do in terms of bringing staff in. So we're going to get into that. So a lot to uh, jump on today. So we're really excited to get into it. A reminder over at LandryFootball.com, is where we can get you the most in-depth information. Uh, a lot of you love the coaching search world and information. 
too cumbersome to go over every minute detail of what's going on. Uh, we had, for example, on Tuesday uh, in our notebook, Tuesday now, um, news that came out in the rest of the media on Wednesday, but we had it in the Tuesday um, notebook. I'm going to pull it up here on Landry Football, just an example of what you can get. We talked about, um, for example, in college, that Auburn was making progress in targeting former Vanderbilt head coach and former Stanford defensive coordinator Derek Mason. We had that for you Tuesday. Uh, that is now officially done. We tell you there who they are um, chasing for their offensive coordinator position. We also told you on Tuesday that LSU was going to hire Carolina quarterbacks coach Jake Peets, who uh, has worked under Joe Brady at LSU as the offensive coordinator and bringing back DJ Mangus, who's also was at LSU and worked under um, Joe Brady at Carolina. We had that for you on Tuesday and we tell you where they are with their recruiting process of defensive coordinator, uh, Marcus Freeman out of the university of Cincinnati. Uh, where is Don Brown, the former Michigan head coach uh, headed um, Ryan Walters. We had for you on Tuesday was going to head uh, move from Missouri to Illinois to be their defensive coordinator. Um, and we've got more information there. Uh, what is going on on Steve Sarkeesian's potential staff working on his staff at, uh, at Texas. We've got the latest there and we'll update that and have that for you every day, but we want to make sure that you are on top of it in the NFL. We've got all the latest there. What's going on, um, with GM searches, and there are plenty. I mean, there's Carolina, and Houston's got their gym. We had Nick Cesario on Monday uh, going to the uh, to the uh, from New England to the Texans. That has been made official. And uh, you know, uh, Denver situation, the Falcons, the Lions, the Jags, the Chargers, the Jets, who they've interviewed, who they've talked to, what's their thought process. We got it all for you there. So uh, just one of the reasons that you want to become a member of LandryFootball.com. That's timely. It's this time of year, but we cover coaching news all year long. What we also do for you is break down the game. So we've got six playoff games this weekend. We are in the process of finishing up the individual team breakdowns, and then we're going to give you the game breakdowns for all uh, six games. So all um, uh, 12 teams broken down individually in depth. How does the team grade it out? Who's graded out amongst the best players? And then we'll give you the team preview. So we got it all for you there. Complete detail breakdown uh, of the national championship game. So we break down the game from inside the film room, from a coaching and scouting perspective, we'll handle free agency, the draft, recruiting. So it's a great opportunity uh, to come involved uh, with LandryFootball.com. Folks, it's less than $10 a month, and it's even less than that if you take advantage of the holiday discount that we still have on sale now. So, um, again, a reminder that if you've got any questions or comments, uh, go ahead and send it. I'll integrate it into the show and address uh, certain uh, issues uh, that you bring up or questions that you may have. I always say this and some of the other platforms, I maybe am not um, 
you know, able to get to all of them, but I try to do that on this show and, uh, that, that, that I do solo. So, um, first thing, an update on the national championship game and where we are there with Alabama and Ohio state checking in with Ohio state. There's been talk about COVID issues there. And I, and I think they're dealing with some contact tracing issues, but from my understanding, things are going pretty well, certainly are going well with Justin Fields as there's uh, he's having a good week of practice. Range of motion is good. So, um, Things are looking up. I, I I don't really know how to, and I won't forecast the COVID issue because I just don't know. I mean, I, I'm like anybody else that I don't know what the heck's going to happen from one minute to the next. So I, I will admit that probably like a lot of people, I am anxious to the point of stress of getting that game in. I just have less confidence in how we administrate the sport of college football than we do the NFL. And so I, and we already know the NFL is being affected this week with Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns and a couple of other staff members being out and a couple of players. So it's going to have an effect as they go to Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, one of the things that, I, I feel a little bit better about their ability to manage that in the NFL. In college, it, it, it worries me. It, it worries me a lot, And but we only got one game. So uh, hopefully we don't have to postpone it, put it later. But if we do, we do. Um, I have mentioned a couple of times this week, and I want to get this out front. We're in the information age. Everybody knows that. It used to be, and um, I don't consider myself that old. I feel old, but I guess when I look back at the years, I'm older than I care to admit. Um, but pre-information age, you can keep stuff under wraps. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have social media. You had newspaper. You didn't have talk radio, really. When I first started, it was a newspaper and maybe a local television station. You didn't have the national networks that covered news stuff. They covered games. You could keep stuff under wraps, whether it's recruiting information, whether it's coaching search stuff, whether it's things going on with the team and injuries, what have you. Today, we're in the information age, but we're also in the misinformation age. And what I mean by that is... Um, Look, people, uh, it's sometimes hard to differentiate credentialed media versus people who can just get out there and say whatever they want in social media and take it as you wish. But there is a part that I don't think is discussed enough, and I want to mention to it and, and correlate it into this championship game. And that is how the media is often being used. Meaning um, you put information out there because you know, they're going to talk about it. They're going to write about it and it's going to be something that other people are going to consume. And you've got kind of, you know, 
your hands are clean. It's plausible deniability, however you want to say it. Um, you coaches now speak to their team through the media. It's a way to send messages. It's a way to send messages to fan bases. It's a way to send messages um, to your administration, your bosses, what have you. Usually, if information is out there and it's free, freely put out there, I don't mean cost-free, but freely given, there's a reason for that. They want it out there. Why do they want it out there? Well, I'm going to address a couple of things with the leaking of the possibility of the national championship game being postponed or pushed back in, in um, contingency plans that the playoff committees make it. That's really not news in that there was always contingency plans for the semifinals, the finals. It always was. Um, so the fact that you would, I mean, can you imagine not having a contingency plan in this year of COVID? I mean, you got to have a plan for everything. I know like even after nine 11, you have to have a plan of what happens if you get a, you know, a scare of some sort, you got to be prepared to deal with that and, you know, safety first and you got to deal with it. Certainly in the COVID year, you're going to have a, a contingency plan. So the fact that it was a lot was made out of the contingency plan. Again, it wasn't really news. Why was it leaked? And what was the purpose of it? I think it had something to do with the fact that it put with the potential issues, COVID issues in all the state of Ohio and some of the talk that maybe there's some issues around the program, nothing definite, but there's some issues COVID related that are a little bit more uh, pressing in Ohio. I it, Clearly the news story came from the Alabama side, the Alabama media side, I've been around this enough to know that this is kind of a way to, I don't know the best way to describe it, but to kind of shame Ohio State into, can you imagine now if Ohio State has to postpone the game, there's going to be a lot of antennas up. There's going to be speculation that, all oh, they're postponing it because they're trying to get healthy. They've got some injuries and they could play it, but they're trying to manipulate the system. Now, that may be – I don't really know that I, – I, I personally don't believe it, that, but you're not going to convince certain people that it's not true, and you're not going to convince certain people that it is true. So take that how you want. But the So the issue is not whether they are or they're not. That, that to me, is not even an issue because there's no indication that the game is even in danger yet. Now, five minutes from now, I don't know in the year of COVID. But the reality is, by bringing it out, it creates a lot of pressure for Ohio State to go through with it, even if they're missing some guys. So basically, there's protocol with a certain amount of players available and at each position. 
before you can get to the point where you opt out of the game. But there's no one, just so you know, no one on the playoff committee, no one on the insides, not like the NFL where there is, they oversee everything. You don't know how many people are testing positive. So in theory, you could have a, we don't have enough guys, and the only one knows is the people testing it, and it's a state and a local issue. And, you know, you can get verified tests, but there again, you got contact tracing, you've got issues. Again, what is interesting to me is that this came out as a story, but there's no story there unless there's a real threat of this game getting pushed back. And there's no indication from anybody that this game is in danger of getting pushed back. I think the fact that somebody was trying to get out in front of it was simply to put added pressure on, even if you've got number issues in preparation for that game, you're going to come off looking bad if you don't play it. I think that was a part of it. And and I also want to bring out something else that I think now that that's that to me is I think was done for a reason. Now more because COVID is obviously a new phenomenon that we're dealing with. Hopefully we don't have to deal with it again ever or anything like it. Um, but who knows? God willing, we won't. But there's something that I thought that I've been asked about a lot, and it's a question that I was given, and I will address it because it's topical. This is something that is often done, and I, gosh, I appreciate uh, Rich and Spartan Barton and Woodchet King and Jigs. Going to get to your comments and questions here uh, as we go along. I see you, and I thank you for joining us. Um, one of the things that is done strategically that I think is fun and interesting and um it's important to understand in preparation. So when you're dealing with, and it's one of the reasons why the NFL has the injury list where you have to designate guys in certain categories. Well, I'm going to tell you why that's done. A little secret is, uh, may not be such a big secret that's done for gambling reasons. Oh, we don't have, we don't want to associate with gambling, but, but they want to make sure they understand that the big reason for the ratings or fantasy football gambling, that's a big part of it. Um, but there's a lot of manipulation, college and pro, about who's injured, who's available, who's not. People don't let out injury information unless they want it to be out. Well, why would you want to let somebody know? Well, most of the time you keep people guessing, right? If somebody is active, somebody's playing, there's an expectation that he's going to play. Then even if you say it or you're vague, you want to give the perception that the guy might play. We'll have to wait and see. It's a game time decision. A lot of things. And some of that is true. It is a game time decision in many cases, but even if it's not, you may say, Hey, yeah, look, we're going to see how it works up because you don't know. Why do you do that? You're not trying to mess with people. You're trying to make your opponent prepare for both scenarios. There's a limited amount of time. Okay, There's only 24 hours in a day, and preparation requires a lot of time. If you have to prepare for multiple scenarios, 
it's more difficult. I don't care if it's one in a million chance that a, a team might run a certain thing or a team might utilize a certain player, what have you. You got to prepare for it if you're getting ready to play that team. So a lot of times it's a vagueness about, well, he may, may not play. We don't know. We're not sure if he will. Well, then that means it just, the vagueness creates difficulty for the team playing you. Well, in a case of Jalen Waddle, who has been practicing all week at Alabama, there was no expectation that Jalen Waddle was going to be able to play. In a place that's so buttoned up, there is no way that that, leaks out that Jalen Waddle was practicing unless they want it leaked out. Why did they want it leaked out? Why is he practicing? Why would they practice him if he doesn't play? I don't get it. What do, let me explain it to you. In this case, if it's never talked about, never addressed, there's going to be an assumption that he doesn't play. Well, If you're Alabama and you want to create what I call rent space in the other coaching staff's mind, you get it leaked out. And then the coach head coach gets asked because it's leaked out. Yeah, he's practicing, doing well. He's been cleared medically. That creates an atmosphere of Ohio State, you better be prepared for him. So Ohio State has to go back and spend extra time on top of what they were doing to prepare for all right, what do they do with Waddle? Let's go back and look at what Waddle and Smith played. Where did they align? Waddle was more in the slot. Smith was on the outside. Is that going to be the way it is in this game, or is it going to be more Smith uh, Smith in the inside and Waddle not play? we got to be prepared for this. What do we, what do, we do? we got Wade on Smith on the inside, but, but what if he's going to play in the outside? We want to have something else. We want to change our coverage. What, it creates not um, – anxiety, it just creates time that you got to prepare for that. And the more time you prepare for one thing, the less time you have to prepare for something else. So it is done all the time. It's a great strategy of being able to put that out there. I don't know if Jalen Waddle is going to play. By practicing him and letting it known that he's practicing. I haven't seen the practice state this week. I haven't been to practice, obviously. So I don't know if he's looked really good or not. Reports are, you know, that not only is practice, boy, he's looking good. They're really selling this. So Ohio State has got to prepare for it regardless. So they've kind of won that strategy, whether he plays or not. The other thing it does, it gives Jalen Waddle some tape post-injury in pads that as scouts we can look at because we can work him out, out pads and what have you. But so it, it gives something to, you know, see how he is because they're obviously going to control and manage what they're doing. No hitting, not sharp cutting, but what you can see things. The third possibility is he might play. He, if he's cleared, he can play. Do they have a plan? Do they have a role? Will they play him? Will they not play him? Don't know, and that's exactly the way they want it in Tuscaloosa. And so I think that's important to understand. And I think most of you understand that, but but I've been asked a lot. I don't understand why they would practice them if they don't play. I just gave you why they would practice them and still not play them. 
but then it doesn't mean that they won't play him because what if he is, what if he can give them a few reps, a lot of reps, all those things are possible. All those things are on the table. And if they're on the table, on the other side, you got to prepare for it. So something to understand. A little bit more on the matchup here before we get to some of your questions. A couple of things that jump out at me. If there is depth issues or fatigue issues due to any COVID-related situations at Ohio State, that's going to be difficult to be able to slow down this Alabama offense under any circumstance. You've got to get good base pass rush. You have got to be able to hold up in coverage, and and that corresponds to your ability to generate the type of pass rush that you need. And you've got to do that with a number of guys, and you've got to circulate it through the course of four quarters. I think that this defense is well-coached by Gary Combs. Um, I didn't think uh, Clemson did a very good job defensively in a game plan or certainly adjustments. I think that's going to be enhanced by Alabama defensively. But I still think Ohio State can move the football on Alabama. I think Justin Fields, who again, has had a good week of practice, healthy week of practice from coaches of the staff that I trust. Um, for reasons other than just what I'm talking about, putting it out there. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how healthy. We'll see how well he plays. I mean, don't know. Uh, if he plays like he did last week, then certainly uh, there's a great chance to have some level of success. On the other side, the ball is where it's key, and that is for Kerry Combs against this Alabama offense. Last week, I thought they did a good job against Clemson. As I mentioned, this is a tougher situation. It's a much better offensive line, even without Landon Dickerson, than Clemson had. So the ability to run power and to force and manipulate safeties in the box are greater for Alabama. And then I just don't think Ohio State can cover this receiving court without Waddle. But certainly if Waddle plays, it's going to be quite the challenge. And if he does play, there's another factor. You got to prepare for his speed, and it will draw even more opportunities to make plays away from him. So even if he's decoying to some degree, he can have an impact and never have a ball thrown to him. So that's something else to consider in the Waddle situation. But it also is problematic for Ohio State trying to figure out how they're going to cover all these guys and get enough pressure. Um, those are things to look at. Those are the things to look for. I think that Alabama's offense is more balanced, have more tentacles to it, which they can attack you, whereas Ohio State's going to be more driven towards the quarterback making plays in and out of the pocket, and they're going to have to try to make this a little bit more of a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a better game than would have been Clemson-Alabama. We'll never know because those games won't be played, but um, that game won't be played this year, but we shall see. Uh, let's get to some of your comments and questions that I want to address. Um, we appreciate Rich Coates says, uh, Doc Holliday won't be at Marshall's head coach anymore. So please explain the reasons for it. And could you see Chris Peterson returning to coaching soon? Um, Chris Peterson, no. 
no signs of Chris wanting to get back. Doc Holliday, that was political. It it went up to basically the governor, Jim Justice there, very involved in, well, a lot of things, West Virginia. Owns the Greenbrier. Um, very wealthy guy and very powerful guy without being governor, and then he's now governor. That's a when you have issues like that, and we're talking Marshall, that was you know, Marshall was in the category, in the conversation with the Cincinnati's and the Coastal Carolinas of the world this year in group of five teams that really looked good through the first half of the season. Remember, they played a lot of games, more games than most, uh, in at least more than say the Big Ten and the Pac twelve. They were really good and they faltered down the stretch. Doc Holliday should not have been fired for football reasons. He's a good coach, well-respected, been great for that program. This is a case of a personality issue. And those are something that, I mean, how do you explain it? It's, it's what it is. Powerful guys um, that are not seeing eye to eye with a head coach and vice versa. And that leads to problems. Um, Spartan Martin talked about the media manipulators are playing everyone for suckers. Uh, when something happens like yesterday that grabs the whole world's attention, how does a coach pass address it with the team to avoid interruption with their preparation? Uh, and of course, I don't need to say this and I, I, I didn't mention it probably should have, it should have been the first thing out of my mouth. Shame on me. Um, Obviously, what Jed King's talking about, the horrific scenes of people rushing the Capitol. I think that we've had a rough stretch of a lot of, I guess they call them protesters, that do a lot of damage to businesses and what. And we've had that all summer and spring. Something, though, I, just a full disclosure. So I was on a Zoom call in a coaching church project I'm working on. And I'm, I'm sitting right where I'm sitting here, but I'm looking, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm turned a little bit when I'm mostly doing work, looking at a computer camera here, but I'm on a zoom call. The TVs are there. Uh, it will, I think I've shown folks before I'll, I'll show them in they're off now, but those are the, the TVs on the other end as I'm, gonna certainly mess this up and I, you know volumes off i'm talking i'm concentrating and i see that there's something about the capital and the rotunda the looking at it, and i'm like what the bleep is going on and and you see the captions which sometimes can be a little salacious um i admit it it just shocked me to the point of I kind of lost a little bit of train of thought of what I was doing. And I had to, you know, fortunately we're towards the end of that meeting when this kind of happened and then it shocked me. How do you deal with it? Um, first of all, you can't avoid it because things are out there. It's on people's mind. I think you address it in a team meeting. Hey, look, there's a lot going on. Anybody got any questions? Anybody want to talk about something? What have you? Just to kind of acknowledge that, and then okay, we get it. Look, there 
anything because you never know who might have a distant friend or relative that, you know, it just not necessarily involved, but, you know, maybe affected in this situation. We had, uh, tragically, I, th I think one person, maybe more, I haven't heard the latest pass, but you never know. You want to make sure that you at least acknowledge it. Any issues, uh, you got, got some, any questions or something, have people that can deal with it. You can come see me. You can come see so-and-so if there's anything we need to do to help you with that or whatever, you know, get in contact with somebody, whatever you, you, that's what you do. Then you say, oh, guys, look, here's what we've got to do. We've, those things are important and those things are, are things we can't control right now. Your beliefs and how you handle things and how you vote and how you do that. And your stances are very, very important to you. Therefore it's important to us. But what we've got to do is we've got to focus on this and then that's it. And then you don't deal with, don't deal with it after that. You acknowledge it, you open what we can do, but you don't sit there for 15 minutes and say pros and cons. And that's, that's no, I mean, we're not going to sit there and have a debate. Like people have debates on Twitter, but you, you address it. Um, this situation, um, look, the majority of the players are going to feel a certain way. And that's why a lot of coaches, while politically may see things differently, respect that. That's one thing we don't do well enough. Good God in this world, in today's world, um, nobody respects other people's opinions on these issues. And I always looked at it as it doesn't matter what I think about those type of things. There's a chance that it could offend anybody. Why would I want to do that? Because while I may think a certain thing, it may be based upon certain experiences I have, certain beliefs that I have, but somebody else may have a different view and, and it doesn't make their view any better or worse than mine on that. It's personal. I, I tend to be a little bit more, you know, on the football side, I've got a little bit more information. I don't on stuff like this. I don't. I'm less informed than anybody in most cases. So I don't get into that. And so I don't, I'm not real opinionated on that because I'm a little sensitive to, you know what? Your opinion is only as relevant as the credentials behind it. What the hell do I know about that? I may believe certain things. Who cares? I don't have strong beliefs politically. I, I just want to do right by people. So I don't really fit in anybody probably wouldn't be uh, a fit for anybody. Um, Rick Scotch is when Belichick got to Cleveland in which he limited the media access in which Cleveland was outraged over it. Uh, he still do that with the Patriots as far as limit media access. Yes, but he does a lot better job. He hired a guy named Burge uh, Nigerian, who was kind of a media guru to where Bill there are certain things you have to do in the NFL to have access. So what Bill does is, as you can see, when you got to have the press conference at a certain time, certain availability, he will be there for the minimum amount of time. He will have the conversations with the players. You're going to be held res responsible for everything you say individually. And he tells them, you don't speak for the team. None of you speak for the team, not Tom Brady, not anybody. You speak for yourself. So what you say, you're going to be held accountable for. He lets them know. 
And he lets them know, guys, you know, by his actions and his words, here's how we can have another advantage by making sure that we control the message. And by we, it's me, the head coach. And so the access is there, and that's why he says, yeah, you know, we're on to Cincinnati. Or, you know, yeah, we just we got outcoached, you know. Yeah, you know, we need to get better. What about your defensive line plays? Need to get better. Yeah, we need to get better. Every he never gives you anything. He's mastered the art of talking and saying nothing and giving you nothing. So it used to be in Cleveland where he'd be a little bit more of an attack mode. He would be, I'm going to prevent you. And then I think he learned that. They're going to be around, and they're going to do what they want to do. So don't ever give them anything. Don't ever let them see you angry. Don't ever let them see you happy. Because he used to be, you know, and he wasn't like a screamer, but he'd be, you know, he'd say things like, that's even low for you, bleepity bleep. You know, he'd say things like, you don't hear him say stuff like that anymore. He just, you know, doesn't open up. So he's handled it differently. Um if that's the case, then in this era, karma would come back and bite Bama. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, how would you verify Mason is still hungry and motivated? He is riching and ran a show. Um, but Derek Mason's a coordinator. You know, Rock Westfall, I said, I, Rock, I, <laughs> I don't know how. I, I think it's very difficult on the outside to to know what in some in somebody's heart. I think you got to know the guy and you got to have a trust. I mean is there a possibility is it, I mean he's made money but what does Derek want to do? I mean is it going to help him if that defense is not successful? He's still young. He still wants to maybe move on to maybe a better coordinator job or maybe get another shot somewhere as a head coach. I think that would be the motivation, but can I get in somebody's heart or mind and say that he won't be as motivated? Well, yeah, there's some people like that. In fact, it's human nature when you've got money in the bank that you don't do it. Um, that's, you know, yeah. Kevin Sumlin was guilty of that. Kevin Sumlin made a lot more money than Derek Mason and he got a head coaching job. Derek's not quite in the same category. I, I think he'll do a good job. As I mentioned earlier, Derek's gonna looks like going to Vanderbilt, um, going to Auburn as a defense coordinator. But you know, the the answer to that is you've got to know the guy and you gotta have a feel and you've got to make a judgment. And I know that's not the specific answer because I can't answer it specifically. I haven't talked to Derek. And it's not like, you know, it's not so how do you ask? It's not like you say, "Hey, are you motivated, Derek?" You know, no, nah, you know, I just I'm come I'm here for the check, man. I you know, I really I'm, I'm making go. No one's gonna tell you. You ask a player. You love football. Love football, coach. Love it. Never had many guys say, "No, nah, I really don't like it." You know, coach. I really. No one tells you that, but there are things you can ask that tells you that will answer how motivated, but I'll get into that at some point. Those some little tricks of the trade, but there's no way to really know for sure. Uh, I know it may be pretty far off your radar, but have you heard anything about Q's replacing Justin? 
Lustig. I've heard a lot, but nothing definitive. A lot of names, nothing definitive. The difficulty there is, as you know, Jigstad, is when there are other opportunities, it's about guys that they like, that they think would be good fits, but what's their interest level? They're interested in Syracuse, but usually have some other options. And that's that's why it's a little bit more difficult. It's more difficult to fill a position at Syracuse. Money's not as good as some other programs. The and, and, and not saying money's bad. Don't say Landry said it's cheap. And oh, they, yeah, they're going to pay. They're going to pay what well. compared to maybe some other opportunities. It may or may not be as good. So they've got a large list. Um, what was uh, Waddle's in? Oh, it was a uh, um, it was uh, an ankle an ankle situation. Uh, one silver lining the past few years has been special teams play and Lustig was a decent recruiter. Yes, he was. Um, and appreciate the cheers there uh, for all of you. Uh, Rich coach, when coaches and scouts go for an interview, what is the common question that coaches and scouts um, get as well as how to prepare for what questions NFL teams or college team that persons doing the interview might have? Well, it's completely different for coaches and scouts. So I have to take it differently, but I will, address it um this way and i want to bring in something that i think is important and i got it down on my list to talk about so let's take a coach for example because those are two different and and remind we'll get to the scout interview because those take place after the draft but that's a different set of entities uh coaches depends assistant coach head coach let's take head coach um which is different than an assistant coach interview if you're a head coach, the one of the things that you want to do, you want to get their vision of what are you going to do? How, basically, it comes down to this, and there are a lot of tentacles to this, right? But how are you going to fix it? Because most cases, it's it's broken. How are you going to fix it? What's your plan? And then you give them a latitude to tell you how they're going to fix it. Who are you going to bring? And, and these interviews should be long and detailed, and they should have breaks in them keeps everybody fresh, and it gives you the ability. So, for example, if I'm involved in it and there's somebody else involved in it with a candidate, it gives me a chance to have a little break, a few little breaks to be able to go back and say, uh, this is something that caught my attention that we need to address that you may not want to address in front of the candidate. One of them is you will ask a question, who are you bringing as your staff? Who can you bring? If I hire you, you as the head coach, who are you going to bring as your coordinators? Well, I'd like to bring this guy in. I'd like to bring that guy in. Okay. Can you get him? Yeah, I, I, I can get him. Well, what you do in the break, I'll call the agent. I'll call the defense coordinator candidate and say, hey, I'm over here at XYZ. Um, would you consider, would you be interested? I'm, I'm talking to so-and-so. Um, would you be interested in coming here as a coordinator? Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at it. There's nothing definite there. That guy is coming. Yeah, I would. I would, I would definitely like to, I'd definitely be interested in coming in as a coordinator. I wouldn't mention to him who I'm interviewing as a head coach unless it got to it. I might unveil that. I give you an example. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm, 
I'll give you one example. I won't tell you who it is because I, I don't, it's not my aim to embarrass someone, but I'll give you one that is specific. So there was one guy that was going to, this is who was going to bring as his coordinator, offense, defense, his line coach, his secondary coach. Those are the most important, but you know, and some other names. You, during breaks, you can verify, you can call the candidate, you can call the agents. And you can find out the information pretty quickly. And none of those guys were were really. I don't really. I'm not sure if I'd go. You could see that it was all smokescreen, meaning they were trying to sell who they can bring, and they you, they couldn't deliver. And very very often, what happens is you hire a guy, and you're convinced they're going to bring this guy in, and you hear this a lot. Well, they hired so-and-so, but he was going to bring this guy. It's not their fault. Oh, hell yeah, it is your fault. You better make damn sure that the guy that he has said he, that he's going to bring, that that you, hey, that would be good. First of all, you have to believe in that candidate. Yeah, that would be good. Well, if that's good, then make sure that he can get him. And you verify that, that that guy can come. Um, I had one that guy, no, it was all BS, but I'll give you one that in the example. So Sean McVay interviews with the Rams. Obviously bright young offensive mind, go over how the offense is going to be structured. Um, what he's going to do. That was going to be his baby, but who he was going to bring with him to help augment that. All right, now here's a big question. What what are you going to do for the defense? He says, I, I want to bring in Wade Phillips, and I can think I can bring in Wade Phillips. During the break, Wade Phillips, absolutely. Love to work there. Love to work with Sean. Yeah, okay. So if we do this deal, we can count on you. And again, could somebody tell you that and then back out? Of course, you better have the backup plan and you better have a good feel for it because there better be a really good reason why he has to go back on it. Something beyond his control, because that would, would hurt somebody. If somebody tells you he's going to come and he doesn't, and you feel like he, you know, that, that, that's not going to serve you well and it's going to hurt your reputation within the league. So he, that was why he got the job. This was now Wade Phillips is no longer there. You know, well, time things change, but that was his plan. And you knew this young whippersnapper head coach wasn't BSing. You got to know where somebody's BSing. So I hope that gives you a little bit of insight into that. Um, Rock Westfall wants to know about Jim Harbaugh. Um, and he actually sent a question. Let me look at this. Here we go. Rock says, seems obvious. Harbaugh's holding out for the NFL. Is there actually newfound interest from the league? Is Harbin insulted at the pay cut proposal by Michigan? Why would NFL sign a man that has become a burned out, <laughs> burned out zombie? Rock says, um, nothing's changed at Michigan this whole process. So the Michigan situation 
is this and has been this and continues to be this. Michigan does not, and they're unique. It's not, we don't need to go into the uniqueness of Michigan, but that needs to be uh, prefaced, what I'm about to say. There's never an interest in firing Jim Harbaugh by Michigan. Oh, I can't believe why would it? Stop. They're not interested. Get it. Get how a lot of people feel. They don't want to fire one of their own. They're kind of, look, it hasn't been a disaster. I think most people think it has been relative to where they are in relation to Ohio State. It's not close, and it's not nearly as successful as I thought it would be. But the bottom line is, it's she's one of theirs. And they have a view that they think that, well, he does things the right way and we're whatever. Okay. Forget about what you think or what anybody thinks. Everybody's about, well, I think doesn't matter what you think. Okay. And it, it doesn't even matter what I think. Okay. Even when I'm giving advice that football matters and Michigan doesn't want to fire him. They've offered him because he's got one year left on the deal, an extension that has some incentives in it, and he could earn a lot of his money through certain results, but not nearly as much guaranteed. So it's a olive branch. We want you here. You know, this is what we're going to do and all that. Well, you know, so you ask, is he holding off? It's, it's always been about the NFL. Again, if Jim can get a job in the NFL and he can make more money, he'll leave. Jim has been, you know, through the right channels. And he doesn't have an agent, by the way. He's a lawyer that does representation, but not a true traditional agent. But he has people that can bird eye things. Jim is looking for a soft landing spot. People say, how does Michigan? Michigan would be very comfortable if Jim Harbaugh took an NFL job because then it solves their problem. They don't have the nasty breakup of we let them go because Jim left for this job. So they solve that problem. But if he doesn't, then this is what we're going to do to keep them. And then they're going to, they're basically kicking the can down the road and Jim's either going to improve or not. And they have to deal with this down the road. It's always been for Jim about trying to drum up interest. It has not been about all these NFL teams are interested. Do not mistake the fact that I got a list here because I can't even my brain. I mean, I'm look one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I got in, in some of these teams, 15, 16 people that they're going to interview because somebody is interviewing does not mean that they're a real candidate. People get confused with that. Sometimes you're not a candidate. You get a courtesy interview, and you not only become a candidate, you get the job. Bill Cower with Pittsburgh, Jack Del Rio with the Jaguars. We're, we're a courtesy interview and got the job. So it can happen. But you interview a lot of people to get their perspective and ideas doesn't cost you anything to interview. In fact, this day and age, this year, with all the Zoom interviews, it literally costs you nothing. It you know costs you a plane ticket and a, a, a hotel room and some meals. 
That's nothing for t- you. Always want to interview as many people as possible. Do not think that everybody that is interviewing is this candidate, that candidate. I heard this name, and I I heard this many media types bring up this. Therefore, he must be the favorite, and he's not even top ten on their list. It happens all the time. You never know, and how you move up and down that list can change for a lot of different reasons with the candidate and with the other candidates around him. So with Jim, it's always been about if he can get an NFL job and have a soft landing spot, he's gone. So yeah, he's holding out hope that somebody might bite. He might be able to convince somebody. He's trying to get interviews and hope that he can get the job. If he doesn't, then it, you know, it comes across, hey, look, you know, for the people that are saying, Michigan, what are you doing? For the Michigan fans, I don't know how many of them are going to buy it or not, but the Michigan fans that say, I can't believe we're going to bring Harbaugh back. Oh, but did you see that uh, the Chargers are interested? Um, You know, you bring all that up. Well, maybe he's not as bad because that's what people look like, right? You're not that interested in the girl until somebody else is interested or the girl's not interested in the guy until that's that's the way it kind of ha- works. Okay, so it's a PR thing. Kim's trying to jump up interest. The, the Michigan's saying, go for it. You know, try it, get it. And then if you can't get it, then we got a spot for you here and we'll we'll make do it what we got. That's what they're doing. But it does not mean I can tell you that he's not high on anybody's list. Now, it does not mean he can't convince somebody that he's the right fit. But this narrative that he's got all these people interested, not real. By the way, same thing with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is seeking interviews. It just helps you to know because you can spin it, you know, the Jets interview. You know, that because, again, the spin is, well, they must be interested. Well, yeah, they're interested in talking. Not necessarily that high on their list. May, may shock you and move up. You never know. That's why interviews – and giving these minority interviews and any interviews is important. Interviews are crucial, folks. You really can help yourself a great deal with interviews. You can really, and it may not even be that job. It may be the next job that comes open. But so if you can get people to interview you, and it's nothing to grant somebody an interview. It's not like there's a limit. Why does that stuff come out in the media? It comes out from agents. Hey, so-and-so's pursuing Dan Mullen. So-and-so's pursuing Jim Harbaugh. So-and-so's pursuing Urban Meyer. Some of that stuff, most of it in most cases won't be true. It might be true every now and then. We try to tell you on Landry Football and in here, what's legitimate, what's got legs, and what is a little bit more at this point, not much substance and where it might go. Things change. Things happen. I told you that Auburn was had a plan in place with Kevin Steele. Well, they did. <laughs> Couldn't sell it, or the 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 public backlash of their fan base kind of puts the kibosh and the kibosh on that. And the athletic director said, "I don't want a part of that." And then it turned out to be Brian Arson, which again, that was. Look, it didn't work. It didn't hand, it didn't go down like I thought because I didn't know that the public backlash in the AD was going to be able to win that battle. I digress. So 
Harbaugh has always been about trying to get that job in the NFL because he knows he's not long for this situation. But because of his relationship with the administration and with Michigan, he's able to hang on to a job at Michigan. So he's got a job looking for one in the NFL. Don't he has to convince guys. See, some people go on an interview and they are are on a recruiting trip. Somebody's trying to recruit them to come. We want you. Let me tell you what we got for you. Why we would be great for you, Mr. Candidate. In some cases, it's more about the candidate has to convince the team that they're the best. There's a difference. And there's some of both of that in every interview, but it's usually more. In this case, it's Jim trying to convince so-and-so that, and then I got to tell you, Jim is, well, I, I think everybody knows he's quirky. I'm not letting the cat out of the bag. The thing about the NFL situation that hurts him is that he had success in San Francisco, but a lot of it was he didn't have control over personnel and Trent Balky was the main guy. He was the general manager. And those guys didn't get along. And so now you're dealing with a bit of a reputation. Now, Jed York has been positive for people that have asked about relate working with Jim. But Jim left because relationship issues and, you know, that's an issue there. In college, there are no, your head coach is it for football. The NFL, the head coach has to work collaboratively with a general manager, with an owner that's a little bit more involved than even in some places where, you know, even the involvement of people, people that are involved on the outside are only involved to the point where they can buy out the coach, but they're not going to be involved in making the decision. So that's a, hopefully rock that answers your question. I went a lot on that. I heard um, Michigan AD and president love Harbaugh. They are putting, players in the draft, the athletes are going to class and doing well in Michigan is always ranked on top 15 at Clover, Clover Gear. That's the message that they're giving. And they are. I know Ward Manuel. I recruited Ward Manuel. He's the athletic director at, at Michigan. They and the president there love Hobart. He's one of them. As I said, put players in the draft. That That's important. They do like the fact that, again, as I said earlier, no real problems at Michigan off the field. They're kind of a, well, we have a higher standards at Michigan. They, they look at other schools and say, oh, we don't do it that way. We're, we're Michigan. And, you know, that's uppity, snooty, some people's minds. That's what they like. Michigan has not been a disaster in most cases. They have been a top 20 team. That's not what Michigan wants. And I, I think they do worry a little bit about, who would they get now? They would have to, I mean, they could, they would have to, to be willing to change a little bit of their ways administratively, but they could get a, a great coach. And look, I mean, I, I define anybody to tell me when Jim was hired at Michigan, that that wouldn't work better than it has. I, I think that's anybody saying that's, I, I that's a lie. So yeah, they like them. But if they liked him that much, 
then they would have given them a contract extension and not put all those provisions, not provisions, but incentives. They would have just given them the contract and say, look, this is what you're making. Who gets another contract, an, an extension or a new contract, and it's less than before? That never happens. This is what Michigan offered. This tells you what Michigan thinks. No, they don't want to fire him, but they also don't want to spend as much money as they have because they haven't gotten uh, enough return on their investment. So let's put that in perspective. What was your scouting evaluation? This is completely off top. What was your uh, Ryan McNeil out of Miami and Robert Porsche? I love Robert Porsche. Brandon Jacobs, I knew. Brandon Jacobs grew up about 20 minutes from where I'm speaking with you now. Brandon uh, was a very talented guy, went to Auburn, uh, really had some off-the-field issues. So it wasn't really Brandon out of Southern Illinois. It was Brandon out of high school, out of a couple of colleges, Southern Illinois, big back that could run with power, and he was part of the thunder-lightning backfield. The Giants at Coughlin really had it set up pretty well. Porsche was a really underrated pass rusher coming out of South Carolina State. Ryan McNeil. Uh, was I had a solid grade on him. Uh, so thank you for the questions here. Really good questions uh, that you guys brought to the table today. Um, so we've got the playoffs. Uh, reminder again, the coaching search stuff. Got a lot more. Check it out at LandryFootball.com. Follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball if you're not. Uh, and it'll give you links. But certainly go to LandryFootball.com. Mainly in our coaching search notebook. You'll have a lot of that. Um, the playoff matchups this week. Who are you most interested in watching? You know, we've got triple header. And, and I don't know you can debate this. I can debate this. But if you look at it, and I'm not saying the quality of games are going to meet this standard, but this is one a pretty good weekend. If you're a football lover, if you love the college and the pro game like I do, you can look at this week. Because we've never had a triple header NFL Saturday, triple header NFL Sunday, because we've never had this many teams in the playoffs. It's usually double header wild card weekend and division weekend. Now we've got triple header. You could do a lot worse in terms of a going into the game schedule on a three day weekend than what we got this weekend. You got triple header Saturday. Indy, Buffalo, Rams, Seattle, Tampa, Washington, Sunday, Baltimore, Tennessee, Chicago, New Orleans, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and then Monday night you've got the national championship game, Ohio State and my and um, Alabama. Pretty good weekend. Now, how good are these games going to be? Well, we don't know. That's what we never know. Um, on Saturday, we'll go through them one by one quick like you're going to get the detailed film room breakdowns of all these teams and all these matchups on Landry football. But the thing I'm looking at is this Buffalo team is going into the playoffs playing very well, relatively healthy. In fact, um, I was looking at availability and health and status right now of the six, um, of the healthiest teams right now going into the first round, the Bills will probably be the healthiest. So, and they weren't for a stretch in the early part of the season. They're healthy. They're playing well on both sides. 
this is a little bit new for them. They're in a favorite role. If they were to lose at home in the first round, uh, would be very disappointing. Um, certainly along the lines of what happened last year with Baltimore, if you remember, losing in the first round last year. Baltimore had a 14-2 record. Bounced from the playoffs week one. The Colts don't look nearly as balanced, not nearly as good. And I explain why again in the breakdowns. But you never know. How will Buffalo handle the moment? Buffalo's the better team here. Got definite matchup advantages. I expect them to win because they on film look like the better team. Will they handle the moment? That's the only issue in my mind. But I think the Colts are dangerous. And I think this is a really good kickoff to the weekend. The second week, the middle game, the 340 Central start, the Rams-Seattle. Those games are usually very good. They're very close, and I think this will be. Seattle certainly at home, an edge. Rams have been a little up and down. But if they get the up Rams, look out. This this could be fun. This could be real interesting here. And I would be very surprised if this game is not close because they usually are. Um, I think there's some vulnerabilities on defense with Seattle. Quarterback situation's an edge. Seattle's an edge at home, even though it's it's not the same advantage because you don't the 12s are not going to be out. But this is interesting. And it really, to me, I've seen more consistency with Seattle. I know what Seattle is. The Rams are a little bit more difficult to gauge because they're a little bit more up and down. Their offense is a little bit more up and down. But that game's really intriguing. I don't know how to sell the night game on Saturday, Tampa and Washington. Tampa's better, has been better, looks better, and no one in the NFC East has looked like playoff caliber all year long. So it's pretty easy. Pretty easy. Would be, in my opinion, of the six games, the one game that would say, that's the shocker. Washington just beat Tampa. Your thoughts? Wow. I'm really surprised. The one thing I will say, they're at home. Not a big advantage there, again, with the fans. Um, Defensive front's pretty good. Washington's really good, actually. I don't think Washington can pull it off, but I have said this before. There have been two teams that have had sub-500 records that have won divisions, made the playoffs, got a home game. Again, this is not a typical home game environment this current year. Both of those teams, ironically, Seattle, beast mode, beating the Saints the year after the Saints won the Super Bowl. In Seattle, home field advantage, noisy, and Marshawn Lynch went off. Remember that? Won that game, sub-500 team. And the Panthers of, ironically, Ron Rivera, sub-500 team, won their first playoff game. So you bet that Ron's going to be talking about, hey, nobody's giving you a chance. Let me tell you, this is what happened when I was in Carolina. We were there. This is what we did. This is how we did it. So that's the one 
nugget I can throw at you that you never know. And it's not only happened before, it's happened twice that a sub-500 team wins first round. Sunday, what I kind of think may be the best matchup of the weekend, and I don't know, it's the one I'm most interested in going into the game. And it's Baltimore, Tennessee, two physical football teams. Um, both run the football well. Come down to field position, certainly turnovers. Um, defensively, both are solid. At times, the defenses can be better than that. Tennessee's at home. Derrick Henry. Lamar Jackson's going to have to play really well. Now, this is a game that would fit Baltimore a little bit better. Remember, I know it wasn't last year, but the style, Baltimore's kryptonite is to get behind, and they are not good in a two-minute offense, a passing game, first mode. When they can run the passing game through the run game, they can be really good. They can control the game, and they can create matchups and coverage and beat you in the passing game with coverage breakdowns forced by their ability to run it. They've got a multitude of backs that can hurt you. So they're going to try to really work the running game, including the quarterback, to really force an extra gap or two for the Titans' defensive front to cover. And Tennessee's going to try to work what they do with Derrick Henry Tannehill, the passing game, protect the football. More playmaking ability at quarterback for Baltimore. Maybe a little bit more ability to make plays in the passing game by Tennessee, but we shall see. It'll be the difference in Tennessee. Chicago, New Orleans, definite advantage in New Orleans. I don't know how this Bears offense is going to do a whole lot. They've looked better. I'm going to stop short of saying really good against good teams, but they've looked better. The Saints defense is for real. They're good. They're good on all three levels of their defense. And I think it's going to be the difference. I think this Bears defense is good, um, at times really good, but the offense, they're really good when the offense can help a little bit. Not been able to do that consistently enough. Don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to play. My guess is he will, hasn't practiced. Think the Saints are better here. Again, not big home field advantage this year, but I think it's enough. I just think the Saints are better. Saints getting out and winning early has kind of been a little bit issue in the playoffs the past couple of years. I think they take care of it. And then we end up on Sunday night. I'm not sure that I wouldn't have put Baltimore, Tennessee in the Sunday night slot, but not the schedule maker. Cleveland, Pittsburgh. I hope this game, I hope all these games are close because that's when it's fun to watch. I just, at this point, worried about Cleveland. I do agree that Pittsburgh, even resting a number of guys, um, the Browns had a hard time against them. You've got shortage of coaches. I mean, the Browns got their facility. that's closed right now. It's difficult. It's difficult from a preparation standpoint, it's not a good situation in um, 
in Cleveland. I just think it's a tough, tough matchup for them in a game in which if they both had equal strength, I still think Pittsburgh is better. I think Cleveland's a good team. I think they're going to have to run the football very well, and I think they can. I think they've got good balance on offense. It's going to be a little bit of a surprise considering, you know, what they faced this week. This Pittsburgh team has looked very vulnerable down the stretch. They're very vulnerable. I think they're beatable. But, man, I, I was not real impressed with Cleveland in a must-win situation and Pittsburgh in a we-got-it-locked-up situation. Cleveland still struggled more than I thought they would against Pittsburgh. Now with a game that's very important in Pittsburgh and Cleveland a little bit handicapped, that's kind of the storyline. Maybe we see a surprise. I hope we see a good game, uh, and we'll see. And really happy for the fans in Northeast Ohio. Haven't lived there. Um, as member of the Brown staff, I um, – Coaches, I, I I know how passionate they are. That's a look. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Obviously, a lot's going to take place. We'll have a national champion in college football. We will have the division matchups, which we will talk about these games that are played and kind of how it factors in to the games that will be played next week, which are going to be the division playoff round, which the top two seeds, one in each conference will be playing and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest coaching search stuff but again check out landryfootball.com lots of stuff's going to go on minute by minute day by day you want to be part of landryfootball.com take advantage of the holiday savings special that we still got going on we'll keep it going just for a little bit longer to help you folks out get in there get it great value all year long stay on top of all the inside information all the analysis from a coaching and coaching and scouting perspective so get it for you. Very inexpensive. You're going to love it. Check it out all over at LandryFootball.com. And check us out here next week on another edition of the Landry Football Podcast. Um, we appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you next week and on all the platforms at LandryFootball.com. So long, everybody. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.